Hi, this is Mary, and welcome to my podcast, Mental State, where I dive into all things mental health and more. I'm actually thrilled and excited because we have this amazing guest, and I think that everybody is just going to resonate with her. Her name is Linda Clemens. And her background is that she has been a corporate tr corporate trainer with more than three decades experience helping clients boost their sales. She's also a nonverbal communications expert, which helps provide sales and leadership teams with an awareness of how body language can improve performance and outcomes. Now, Linda has taken this knowledge and created a course it's a course for women, and it's called Master the Subtle Art of Body Language and Light Up Your Love Life with Irresistible Confidence, Charisma, and Attraction. From the bedroom to the boardroom, channeling the right body language can make you instantly mesmerizing and memorable. Join body language expert Linda Clemens as she helps you unleash this natural gift from within. So we are lucky to have on our podcast, Linda Clemens, who is going to talk about body language. Thank you, my love goddesses. I'm so excited. You know, we are now in a time more than ever where people are so caught up into chat GPT, high tech. And here is the thing, and both of you know, uh, as therapists, that the more that we have high tech thrown to us, the more craving there is for high touch. And it's more important, more so more than ever, because I guess it was Barbara Streisand, and for those of you that are probably in my generation, if you will, Barbara <laughs> Streisand had a line in her song, people need people. Mm. And we do. It's part of us being primitive. It goes all the way back. We need people. And so everyone wants this. My granny would say, baby, there's a lid for every pot. Everybody wants to be loved and everyone wants to have that connection. So it's even more important is how do you prepare yourself to become a love magnet where Ooh. you attract the love and the energy? How do, you, how do you position yourself to do that? And it starts with the work on you first. You know, a lot of my girlfriends, they, they always say to me, they say, oh my gosh, for the last 10 years, you've had four marriage proposals and you turn them all the way that all the way down because it's not my season for that right now. Been there, done that. I'm enjoying my life. I'm having a good time. I'm a beautiful wanderer and I'm loving life. And so my, one of my friends says, you've had four marriage proposals. We're just trying to get one. When you position yourself in the, the posture of confidence, knowing who you are, who you are, and loving everything about you, from your, from your flaws to your fabulousness. So that radiates a special kind of energy and sensuality of it is. It's kind of like someone in the movie, was it Harry Met Sally, that says, oh, I'll have what she's having. It's that kind of thing. And so to the power women that are out there, girl, you possess it. It's in you. But you got to unleash that power. I love that. Yeah, and I, and so... You know, obviously, this is an audio podcast, but I am looking at Linda right now as she's talking about this, and we're, we're she's going to get deep into this body language stuff. And I am looking at her body language, and I'm like, of course, she's had four marriage proposals. She's just like radiating. Um, her body language is just so inviting and exciting, and it's like I'm I'm being so drawn in by her as I'm like watching her talk. So. I am hooked. I, yes, this body language, tell me more. And see, here's the thing. So let's talk about the communication theory. So I love to reach and teach and love on your audience. So it was a study done, I guess, well over 50 years ago out of UCLA by Dr. Maharabian, talking about how we communicate our interpersonal skills. And I believe the study was done, I think about 100 people or so, and watching the interaction. Now, according to a study, and you know, experts, other experts who don't do studies, they'll always challenge anything when they have a different way of thinking. But let's go with the study. He said that our words are 7% of our communication. So think about this. 7% are the words that are coming out of your mouth. Are they powerful or powerless? Passionate or passive? Poison or potent? You know, just saying the word cancer 
is feared in over 12 languages. And once those words are out, you cannot retrieve them. So just imagine when the tone of your voice, and even if you speak a different language, now you lose that because you may not understand. But next part is, if 7% words, then the next part is the tonality, which is 38%. So there's a saying that goes, it's not what you say, but how you say it. And I love to do remixes. It's not what you say and how you say it. It's what they hear. So just for your audience, if you can just listen to me carefully, I'm going to do two examples. And I want you to really listen and tell me, think about the story that's attached to the way I'm saying this. Okay, here's case study number one. Hear me out. I saw Steve and Sandy at the mall the other day and they were alone. And I'm going to repeat it. I saw Steve and Sandy and they were at the mall the other day and they were alone. That's the first case. Now I want you to listen to the second one. I saw Steve and Sandy at the mall the other day and they were alone. You're not even looking at me. You know what? Something's going on with Steve and Sandy. They up to something. Same words, but different tone. Even Marilyn Monroe knew how to use her wet voice in, in, in aid in seduction. So when the mind, the words, the tone, and the body, 7% words, 38% tonality, and 55% of our communication is nonverbal. So here's a soundbite for you, my lovelies. If all three don't agree, what are three? The words, the tone, and the nonverbal. If all three don't agree, then there's a disconnect in the message between you and me. So if you meet that person of your desire and you're going, listen to my voice. Oh, well, yeah, it's nice to meet you. Now tell me what you do. Really? Really? Just the tone of your voice. So can you imagine? The moment that your tone is like that, the body language will follow. Because the moment that you speak, you're sending the man to the speech center of the brain and everything is acting up on it. So that's why your mother used to say to you when you would go to the family reunion oh, over Uncle Charlie and Aunt Millie's house to dinner and you say, I don't want Uncle Charlie pinching my cheeks again. And mother would say, act like you like Uncle Charlie. She would say, act like it. So act like it. Act like your love magnet. Act like. And my grandmother used to say, baby, I miss my granny. Mm -hmm. She would say, baby, the same thing it takes to get them is the same thing it takes to keep them. So begin to prepare yourself to attract what you want. But you first have to be that. They say opposites attract. I don't believe it. We build rapport because we like people who are like us and share commonalities and understand us. And connect with us. We don't want something that's constantly uh, a negative force. Yeah, that's, I'm not talking about, um, uh, uh, I, I call like um, uh, strategic disagreement. Because my strategic disagreement, there's a motive to be able to make up at the end. So there's all kinds of things that you could do. But my lovelies, family out there, you have to begin to prepare the foundation what it is that you want to track. I'm going to say this. Uh, I want to listen. I want to, I want to say this to my, um, my lovely goddesses here. Have you ever been in a situation that, you know, for those of you that are work, maybe you work for yourself or what have you, and you're in a situation and you say to yourself, look, I'm not going to go in here to work. X, Y, Z better not say anything to me. I'm not for no stuff today. Nothing. And as soon as you walk in, the person that you spoke about is coming right at you. That shows how powerful what you speak into existence. So why can't we write the script to our own movie, our love script, how it is, what we are attracting? Because the more you think about it, you be about it. I love that. You know, there's something too much. In, I think about this word embodiment as far as what secure attachment means, right? It's like the mind firing with the body. Right? We've got to have connection in both areas. I'm curious about when I think about people who run anxious, um, who might have every intent of entering with, you know, entering a date and they're really excited about the date, but the shutdown happens or they get nervous. And I'm wondering, like, is it just a matter of 
practicing body language or what specific things have you seen, if you can think of like one or two that really work for somebody who kind of struggles with that anxiety piece that maybe overrides the body language uh, manifestation that you're talking about? Jacqueline, great question. So here's the thing. Many people, when they're little, they're excited because they're wondering, oh my gosh, what are they going to look like? Or what are they going to be like? Am I going to be acceptable? Because we all want to be accepted. So sometimes we get anxious because we believe we're being judged. And we, we often we are because the first thing that we see is the visual, if you will. And so we begin to look at the skin, skin color, whether male, female. We look at all that taken, all that data, and we begin to assess. So whatever your mind is, that's where your energy flows. So if you are just thinking about that, that's going to make you anxious. Oh, how does this outfit look? Do I look okay? Is my hair okay? What if he's not like, what if he's tall or short? So now you cannot think about the outcome. And I believe it was Stephen Covey that said, begin with the end in mind. Here's how I want this state to be like. It's going to start off like this. I'm going to laugh at a few of his jokes. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to be vulnerable, share. I'm going to add value first. I'm not going to wait till he or she adds the value. I'm going to add value first. That means you come in adding the plus first and not waiting because when you give the law of reciprocity, it comes back to you. But one of the things that you want to prepare is this, knowing, look, I am going to add value to someone's life. I woke up this morning, I have this wonderful date planned, and my mission, to, if I choose to accept it, is to add value. Now, why am I saying this? Because we go in a more giving and serving posture as compared to, okay, all I know is, look, from the time that I'm taking to go on this date, I could be doing something else. They better be worth it. Now, is that self-serving? So if you change your thoughts, and hear me out, if you change your thoughts, you'll change the way you talk. And when you change the way you talk, my granny would say, baby, then your walk is different. Change your thoughts, the talk will change, and so will the walk. So when you go in there with the open vest, open heart, meaning your body language open now. And here's, here's, here's a key thing. So many women, when they're out there going on dates, they're anxious. They're anxious and they're sitting in front, of, in front of someone. Number one, we've got the table. That's a barrier. So now we've got a barrier of the table. The second barrier, if you close, you fold your arms. Why are you folding your arms? Don't tell me that's just you. Don't tell me you have a chance. You have the tendency to get cold. If you have a tendency to get cold, my darlings, bring a freaking sweater or a scarf. Because the first perception is closed off. You are closing off a power zone. Linda, what is a power zone? When you fold your arms, you're closing off the door to the heart. So have your power zones open. Yeah, what I hear in what you're saying, just to um, articulate this for people who are listening, you're using the words, like you said, add value, power zone. That is not the same as people pleasing. What I hear in that is really, what is my worth? And I bring that because I value myself, right? Absolutely. And that power zone, you know, I think about the anxiously attached part of us that says, um, comes to relationship really with, you know, there's that sense of fear, right? I. I so want this to work out, or maybe I'm in like fantasy, please, 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 this person's so hot, I can't wait to meet them. But there's a disconnect because on the other side of that is actually fear, it won't work out. And so, you know, what I'm hearing you say is using that body language as a way to regulate and own your power, which to me is that secure attachment, like that place of embodiment. And the more that one practices that, uh, practices that I'm imagining, the easier it becomes. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm going to give your audience something and I want you to think of this. So um, during the pandemic, lots of times people would say to me, oh my gosh, you know, my business, I, I'm very grateful and I'm full of gratitude and I'm thankful. My business during the pandemic as a speaker tripled. And one of the reasons why many of my clients were saying and the audience were saying, oh my gosh, Linda, even though you may be on a Zoom platform, a Teams platform, we felt like you were right in the room with us. We felt that. So here is the thing. So I'm going to give you a little thing, a little thing I want you to remember. First word is open. Everyone, I know every time you listen to the show, because you get good value, 
I know you don't listen to this show without taking notes. I know you don't. I know you don't. You're already putting your journal together. So you want to be open. Open. What does that mean? Eyes, face, open. When you're talking to someone and they say something that's surprisingly pleasant or you're intrigued, you are doing an eyebrow flash. What is an eyebrow flash when the eyebrows go up? So let me give you a situation. You're invited to a networking event. Your friend says, I'm going to meet you there. So you go in, she's not there, he's not there. And you go in, you don't know anyone in the room. So what you're doing, you're scanning the room and your eyebrows are down, kind of like you're scanning and lasering in. Then you see an old friend from, oh my gosh, from high school you haven't seen in years. What do you do with your eyebrows? Oh my gosh, Sandy. Oh my gosh, Mary. Oh my gosh, Jacqueline. So an eyebrow flash, when that happens, it indicates surprise, curiosity, interest, Intrigue. So, what am I doing? I'm open, means my facial expressions. We've got 43 facial muscles. Use them, girlfriend. Use them. So, my, my face is wide open, eyes wide open, and I'm leaning in. There's a power of leaning in. So, you're open and you've got the eye contact. So, open eye. Open eye means eye leaning in, looking at the eye, giving facial validation giving facial affirmation. You may be a visual communicator, visually dominated. So visual communicators, quite often they look up because they're pulling the data down in the picture. But you got to go back to home base. You got to go back and look at them in the eye to let them know I'm here with you, babe. I'm just bringing this thing down, but I'm coming right back to you. So open body language, open facial expressions, eye, meaning eye contact, and lean. So, and that's leaning with the upper torso, leaning in. Think about when someone's about to tell you a secret or you want to share something juicy. What do you do? You don't share the secret. Lean it back. Come here, I got something to tell you. You lean in. So open eye, lean. And the last word is beam. B as in boy, E-A-M. Think of a light beam. It is that internal light and that internal fire that's radiating. Open eye, lean and beam. That's your sound right. Open eye, not lean and beam. Open eye, not. Come on, do it with me, y'all. Open eye, not lean and beam. Come on, come on, lean and beam. Open eye, not lean. Love it. I love that. And I love that you're talking about because what I noticed, like I used to run very avoidant. And so I don't know how guys wanted to date me, but in my avoidantness, maybe it appealed to them because a lot of men are avoidant. (laughs) So they're like, perfect. So what I noticed even now when I play around with body language, like what you were saying, crossing the arms, like I can feel that, what that feels like. I can now, I can really connect to like, oh, I'm blocking myself off versus when I'm opening up, you know, like this with my arms open, my heart open, I'm ready for the world. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I want to greet people. I want to let people in. So I'm just curious in this, like in this work with, dating and body language, when somebody does run avoidant and somebody does feel closed off or kind of, you know, like what you were saying, caved in and they're not really coming to the table with like an open heart, the the eye flash. And I'm just curious, like, what kind of advice would you give to people who, who run more closed off and who do have a hard time, like, connecting with that part of themselves. Absolutely, because they are guarding their space. They are protecting their heart. Sometimes it could be a trust issue as well. So I want you all to think about this. Some of you who are listening, you're thinking, well, you know, I get what she's saying because that's me. I fold my arms. That's who I am. But I don't know that's your baseline. I'm using the word baseline, simply meaning that's your norm. That may be who you are. So that four to eight seconds, I'm judging. I'm judging. And when the door is closed, either something else is going on that you may clarify. And if I ask you, hey, Mary, hey, Jack, was everything okay? Hey, Sandra, is everything okay? No, I'm fine. Then it must be me. So knowing that even though it's the perception, it's in the eye of the perception and of, of, the, of, the, of the individual who's communicating to you. It's my perception and my belief. And timing is critical. So what happens is if I'm to meet you at the, the restaurant or meet you at the, ball to, at the bar to have drinks before dinner, 
And then I says, oh, I'm going to be wearing black or I'm going to be wearing uh, a roaring red, you know, whatever that may be. And I'm wearing this. So you'll see me when I come in there, my hair is curly. And let's say while well, you're there having a drink. And then as soon as you look at me, you catch your eye, then all of a sudden your arms fold. Oh. See, even context and the timing makes a difference. And I'll give you another great example. How many of you out there that are listening have relatives or friends that always want to borrow money from you? If you don't, I'll give you some of money. And then you'll make up your mind. You says, well, I'm not going to loan them any money before. So again, again, again. Then when they come in to ask you and they say, hey, I just want to talk to you for a minute. You fold your arms. Now you're holding on to preconceived thoughts and notions. So look at the timing of that. I want to speak to you. So you know when you don't want to be bothered. You make yourself small. And quite often, we get up in the morning and we pick out colors in our closet related to the mood that we're in. Wow. So how do we become, on one end, we say we want to attract love, but yet we're repelling it based on how we are wrapping our package or comporting ourselves in our body language. So be aware that it's the people's perception until they get to know your baseline or your norm. You know, I'm thinking about this in regards to even if you, you know, perhaps you have a history of dating people who aren't as available, just by noticing their body language might give you those, you know, those early cues to say, is this really somebody who is open? And of course, you know, it's hard to make those snap decisions right away. But if we're noticing that over a period of time, especially when we're sharing, you know, more vulnerable parts of ourselves that can really give us a lot of information on whether this person uh, is actually willing, like you said, like has an open heart to showing up. Right. So let me add this to what you just said there. And so let me give you some little bit. So we talked about the communication 73855. So let, let's, get, let's do a quick crash course for everyone out there listening to body language. I'm going to give you the three C's just to start off. So we talked about earlier, knowing a person's baseline, building the rapport to get to know their norm, who they are. So the first C in reading nonverbals like, is to interrupt for one second. Going back to the baseline, just so that we're clear before yes. we go. Um, the baseline, are you saying that that's really like our place of like ultimate security or just kind of how we operate through the world? Does that it's, make sense? It's how you operate. It's your norm. It's your, it's who you are. It's your primary, your foundation. It's your norm. So let me give you, let me just give you a good example. Let me just give you, and thank you for bringing me back to that. Let me give you an example. Everybody, if you have children, or better yet, if you've ever been a child before. So imagine this. The, the child comes home from school, has a routine, and this is their base. You know it. They come home from school, take off the backpack, they go to the refrigerator, get a little snack, then go on the computer, start playing games. They do it on Monday. They do it on Tuesday. Wednesday, they don't do it. Thursday, they don't do it. As a parent, you're thinking something's up because they're out of their, they're out of their norm. They're out of their routine. They're out of their base. So if I come work for your company and you introduce me to all the team and the players, and then Jacqueline, you say, okay, Linda, how do you like the team? And I says, well, everybody was very open, but then I met Harry. And what I walked into his office, you know, he asked me, where are you from? And I start sharing all this information Then he gets on the phone. Then he does this. And I just, I don't think he likes me. It just felt really dismissal. This is what you're going to say to me. Linda, 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 it's not you. That's just Harry, because you know Harry's norm. You know his routine. You know his baseline. So when I use the word norming and baseline, it's who a person is, their, their normal disposition without any stress. It's their norm. It's, it's their normal behavior. Now, they have a, we have, by the way, we have a behavior for personal. We have a behavior for social. And we have a behavior for work. See, and that's when, and we code switch with that. Totally, totally. Because yeah. attachment style, right? Like it's, yes, it affects how we attach to everything. And it runs so much stronger in romantic relationships, which is yeah. uh, why this person can have such strong, strong, quote unquote, feelings about work. But where are the strong feelings about me? Right. Because they shut down when it's personal. Absolutely. So they have their norm for different key areas in their life or or just or even even operating at work from a very 
you know, secure place. Absolutely. Right. But when it comes to the personal relationships, it's a completely different story. And that's a good example, because what if at work they're in a role of power where people depend on them? And then in the social, the personal, they have to be vulnerable. See, so that's a whole different game. And you're thinking, well, mind you, run a multi-million dollar company. And what's going on? Why can't you do? Because each one has their own norm. Mm. And so now, go ahead. Right. I'm curious when you see that norm in somebody who's like the description, who fits the description of what you're talking about. I'm almost wondering if it's like, you know, like you said, don't take it personally, but learning yourself, like, does that work for you? Or do you kind of continue to date that kind of person, even though you see their baseline is something that is so different than yours? If you were, if you had to run through the world, like more open hearted and are looking for that. where, where well, would that, Well, that's what's so important about EQ, emotional intelligence, is them having that self-awareness of who they are and how they come about. You know, my Angelou was one that said, when people show you who they are, believe them. So when you see that, and then you see it here, you have to ask yourself, is it something that I can deal with? I can embrace. Will it, how much effort will it take? Because people can only be who they are. They can only be who they are. And so when you see that, and quite often women, we think, well, I could be the one to change. People can only be who they are. And in talking about, and if I get to the three C's, reading nonverbals in clusters. So for example, um, let's say someone, mm, let talk about, let's talk about a creeper real quick. So let's say you meet someone and you meet them. Oh, oh my gosh, it's nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, you're going to another location. Then you see the same person there. Okay, you met him here. Now he's at the same location that you were going. That's a coincidence, okay? The third time, it's a, it's a, and you, and you run into him at another location all in the same day. That's a pattern. That's a habit. So listen to what I'm saying. How many times does a person have to demonstrate their behavior to let you know who they are? First time, okay, you go, hmm, that's in three. That's when your Scooby-Doo goes, oh, that's interesting. And the second time, okay, and there's a little coincidence. Third time is an indication of a pattern or a habit. Be aware. Yeah. Like what, again, what I'm hearing in what you're saying, I love this idea, you know, for the anxious part of us, like the work is to be embodied, focus on yourself, focus on your feelings versus reach out. And what I'm hearing you just say is really using body language to discern kind of what's happening with that person while also using your own body language to say, Hey, this is how I want to walk through the world. Not just, will you love me? Like I'm adding value for who I am. So it kind of keeps the focus on self while understanding, oh, noticing the pattern that you mentioned. Is this person actually what could work well for me? And if I continue to work on my body language, then maybe I'm attracting someone who is also mirroring that same body language. Absolutely. Absolutely. I also kind of want to add on to that because when... Jacqueline's talking about somebody who has a more anxious attachment style and you're talking about the pattern, the cluster, somebody with an anxious attachment style might see that as a sign. Yeah. Can, can you say that? And so like, like, oh, well, we're obviously meant to be because I, I saw him at the coffee shop and then the gas station and then the other place and then all of it, you know, so... Yeah, I just um, can, you know. And they may think that because that's who they are. And you're thinking, is this a freaking stalker? You see. And so, that you know, I, I, I was a, a special uh, expert guest on one of the uh, MTV reality shows with celebrity couples. And there was one of the couples that kept saying, you know, I want to get more loving. And, and you know, just he's just not a huggy person. And I said, was he a huggy person when you met him? Well, no, not. So what would make him, what would make you think he's going to change? People can only be who they are. How does he show love? Well, he does this, 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 and that. See, this is what you crave. So wouldn't it have been great to have that understanding up front? Isn't it something we could negotiate million dollar deal, deals, job contracts, and not negotiate how we want our partnership to go and grow? 
So when someone, you notice this when they're dating, when did it change? And you're telling me he was always like that? So who was the issue? The issue could be it's you. Mm -hmm. Well, and what you're saying also, I'm thinking about, you know, disorganized attachment, which is that hot cold is this word patterns. Like you're also out there looking for consistent behavior is the pattern. One day this person is on and they're super open. And then the next day it's off. That's the pattern too. And again, like kind of, can you create that baseline that you mentioned, that stability within yourself for the pattern that you want? Like, yes. But it takes effort. See, but here's the deal. There's a, there's, you know, I read about four or five books a month. So I want to give you this book, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a cycle of habits and there's a cycle, there's, there's a cue, there's the routine, and there's a reward. So when you keep doing or allowing, you keep doing, you are getting a reward. Now, if you want to change the outcome, change the cue, change the routine, it's very, very critical. So we are aware of some of these things. However, you can't hurt people, hurt people. So lots of times we're recognizing flaws in other people so easily because we possess them in ourselves. You could say something to someone else. I don't, what are you talking about? I don't see it. I don't get it. What are you talking about? Oh, yes, this person. Because you possess it in yourself. That's what you see. So then you begin to attack it, trying to fix it prior to fixing you. And that's the thing that causes conflict. So when you have people that are needy and attachment, there's a story behind everything. So everyone, please make note of this. Please make for every emotion, there is emotion some kind of body movement. If I'm crying, guess what? You see it on my face. My hands may go to my face. My shoulders are slumped. For every emotion, there's emotion. But here's what's important. There's also a foundation of a story that's attached. Wonder why he's like this. Wonder why he treats people like this. Wonder what's her history. There's always a story. Once you get that story, then you'll begin to, that makes sense why they do this. That makes sense. I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, you're calling me every 20 minutes. I mean, I mean, you just dropped me off at home asking you miss me already. Really? I haven't been going that long. So there is something behind it. Then later on, you find out there could be abandonment issues. There could have been other issues. So always remember that when a behavior comes across and it, and it hits your amygdala, part of your limbic system that makes you go, hmm, that, that tells you warning, 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 as in Gavin DeBecker's book, The Gift of Fear, that gives you those signs. This is our body protecting us. And, and hopefully, you've got to ask yourself, can the positive things that I love, that I adore about a person, does that outweigh? Because we're all human. None of us are perfect. Does it outweigh? And is it the thing that I'm seeing that annoys? Then what, maybe what is the thing about me? Could that be what I'm recognizing? So just having that, and that's what emotional intelligence, that self-awareness, relationship management, social aware, all that is critical and allows us to, you know, check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. I love that. What about the three C's? Can we go back to that? Well, yes. So the first one is clusters. That means reading nonverbal movements in clusters. So for those of you, like if you were watching me, you, you would see my arms are open, my palms are exposed. I'm smiling. I'm doing a Guillaume Duchesne smile, showing my pearlies, my eyes. I'm excited to be on the show today, okay? But what if I say that I'm excited and my arms are folded? The moment that I close my arms, my vocal tone changes. So then you notice I'm closing my arms and you're listening. Thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm going to watch the show or listen to the show because she's closed off. So you tune out. But meantime, mm. you miss it when I say to my assistant, oh my gosh, there's a little chilly in here. Can you bring me the jacket? So the first movement, wow, I'm folding my arms. Ooh, then I start shivering. Second movement, right? And the third, someone brings me a jacket. Oh my goodness, Linda was cold. But I got judged on the first movement of me folding my arms. So when I, I teach my master students, watch for more than one nonverbal cue to validate the mood. Watch for more than one nonverbal cue to validate what you think is happening. You know, they're boring. They're not, yeah. 
I mean, I'm just even imagine like imagining being across from somebody on a date and the person's folding their arms, leaning back and looking around. Yes. You're thinking of like the anxiously attached part of us that might be looking for one cue, like they got the one cue and they're holding on to that versus again, like, you know, you've said a few times, like the patterns, the clusters of cues, like you're looking at the whole picture, not just using one little thing to say, oh, I now I have the information. Is this person doing overall? Right. Right. What am I doing overall? Am I just finding the one that's enough? That's interesting behavior on your part. Like, is that fully open for you? Right. I love that. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, I love that, uh, Jacqueline, when you were saying like holding on to that one thing, because it might be like, oh, this person, you know, pushed the held the chair out for me to sit down, but then the rest of the date could be a whole disaster. And then when you're recounting it with your friends, really all you're holding on to is like, oh, but it, but the person like held my, uh, you know, pulled the chair out for me to sit down and that was so nice. And then I got that. It's like kind of like looking for the crumbs. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So there's your clusters. The yeah, other, not one of the, the three C's, I have a feeling. <laughs> That's what the three C's, clusters, clusters. So me- meaning look for more than, mo- more than one movement to validate what it is that you're thinking. The cue to validate the cues to validate the mood. The second C is um, congruency. Congruency. What does that simply mean? That during the conversation, unless there is a physical disability or an invisible disability that you may not be aware of. So congruency meaning are the words and the tone and the nonverbal, are they congruent? Wow, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited. When you tell a child, guess what? Mommy, daddy's going to take you to see Mickey. Hands go up. If you just won that multi-million dollar lottery, unless you're in shock, I expect you to be jumping up and down excited. So if the words and the tone and the nonverbal are not congruent, if all three don't agree, then there is a disconnect between you and me. So my radar is going to go up. He says he's excited about the opportunity. She says she's excited about the new director coming in. She doesn't act like it. And so these are things that not only go in our personal life, but it goes on in work. People notice those things. You know, aren't you excited? Aren't you excited about your opportunity? Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be a great opportunity. No, you don't. We know that when you call up your friend, hey, what's going on? Oh, nothing much. Are you okay? Yeah. No, you're not. You don't sound like it. See, the yes was not congruent with the tone. So yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of this in relation to like love bombers per se, right? Where... They could be all in from the get-go and they're kind of showering you with attention and they go, you know, just as quick the opposite direction once things get too close. And I think congruency is such an important factor in that because it made me think this isn't, you know, a body cue, but if somebody's uh, saying to you, I'm all in and there's a little voice inside you that says, well, that seems like really soon on my part, like I'm not quite sure why that's, you're, you're noticing that little incongruency or even, you know, for you listeners, you can't quite tell, but Linda, your body language is very congruent, right? I don't sense people pleasing from you. I sense that kind of inner sense of power and alignment. And again, people pleasing is not the same as adding value. So if some, there's a difference between excitement and anxiety, right? Someone might look, you know, present, you might mistake their manic energy, that love bombing energy for excitement, but learning like, is this congruent, right? Like looking for those little cues of what is actually the body saying about this? Even if it's like too heightened for the situation at hand, right? That's also an incongruency. Absolutely. Absolutely. Isn't this fascinating? (laughs) Or even like people who run avoidant and something exciting happens, they might not even be able to take that in because they don't, they don't know how to process that excitement. Because maybe in the, like what you were saying, knowing people's stories, knowing how they grew up, maybe excitement wasn't something that was in their family system. Absolutely. And if we don't know that, Mm -hmm. and we can begin to judge and read them differently. So then if we do that, then we respond differently. Like what's up? Something's going on. There's something called narcissistic turmoil. And what that simply means is, let's say the apartment building, just here's just an example. This apartment building is burning and I'm coming around the neighbor says, oh my God, um, 
X, Y, Z, that's your apartment building? Yeah, that's my apartment building. Oh my gosh. And they're, they're and notice there's no expression. Yeah, that's my apartment building. Okay. Um, she got did the kids get out? No, they're still in there. That's that there's something up. See, so it's narcissistic and turmoil that they're they are calm in the midst of turmoil. Now that situation is something else is going on that's a little bit deeper. Whereas the other person may not be able to express it because every time they got excited about something, it might have gotten taken away. But remember, we have to know the story that's attached to it. I'm going to ask you why. So, gosh, are you excited about it? Yeah, I am. Well, you know, I mean, are you, do you want to jump up and, well, you know, I just want to hold on to make sure it's real. So that allows us to begin to peel the onion, to find out more, just get to the heart of the matter before we judge. So quite often, even in dating and relationships, there's going to be times that we play three different roles. And I'm not talking about wild and crazy. I'm talking about the roles like maybe I may be the teacher. I may be the loving one that have to be the teacher, the guide in this relationship. Or I may be the observer. You know, I got I to gotta take it all in before I judge to see what's going on. I think it was the Dr. Late Wayne Dyer says, be open to everything and attached to nothing. So I'm going to take it in. And then there are times you may have to be the student because you may learn something the, long, the longer you lean in and listen and do it in a loving, caring way. You will learn. So there's different roles that we play in building stronger relationships. You know, I think it really, uh, the part that I'm thinking around that, around um, like learning the whole story, I, I, it kept coming back to what you said earlier around knowing thyself, knowing, you know, sometimes the anxious part of us, which, you know, avoidance is also heavy suppression of anxiety can say like, all of these things are equal. I can take A, B, C, D, E, because I don't really know what like my high priority values are, right? Or an avoidant will say, I can't deal with any of that. I shut down around it. And you had mentioned knowing like the, the couple that needed the the partner that needed more physical affection, like knowing that about yourself before you go in, if you need someone really physical, physically affectionate, and that is something that makes you feel loved and cared for and desired, that should be on your top priority list, right? Like let's not sacrifice on that one, but knowing then something else might have to be more sacrificed in in turn of that versus all of the things are equal value. We've got to understand which ones we're able to give on. Absolutely. And think about this. The person who is maybe high in avoidance, they're not the ones to initiate the hug. They won't initiate the hug. Then can you imagine an extrovert or ugly person comes in and says, and they introduce themselves. The person who is avoidance, if they're in a business setting, they will be the first to extend their hand out because they're creating that barrier there. Because remember, you're getting in my proxemics. They only allow people who they trust and that 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 and they've had a deep relationship that they trust them unconditionally, and that's not all the time to come into their personal space. They only allow, and that's that, and and that's why loyalty is important to them. So there's a whole lot of things that go with a self avoidance person. So when they're in a social setting, they're trying to protect themselves, and all that stimuli can be overwhelming. Because now they're looking at her, here they come, here they come. Well, they're coming at me, they're coming at me. And so soon they start doing the networking thing, that person would automatically extend a hand and it is very direct and stern to extend a hand. And then the, the stronger personality would go, oh, I'm a huggy person and bring it on in. And here's what, she's nodding her head. So here's what goes with self-avoidance person. You could feel their body stiffen up. <laughs> And if they do have to hug people that try to be a part of the team, like if you're at a, a reception or then the boss is there, the head of somebody's there and everybody's hugging or the CEO is a hugger. And then here's what happens. They hug like this. Where they hug you, they go like this. Pat, 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 pat. Uh, the patter. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, hurry, 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 hurry. Yeah. Patter. Yes, I know. I know some patters. I know some patter. I even... In my avoidant tendencies, I do love a good hug and I do love to initiate hugs. But the patter, I'm like, whoa, there's some deep stuff going on there. <laughs> they don't want to <laughs> hug. Sometimes the patters really don't, they don't really want to hug. So they're, it's like, hurry, hurry, yeah. hurry. Last C. See, 
And so when those at borders that when they initiate the hug or they're in that, the thing you've already been approved in their life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You pass, you've got a car and they're just welcoming and their and their hugs are usually deep because they're welcoming you in. So I love that. And and so let's uh let's wrap it up with the last C, the third C. Yes. The last C is context in the right context. So and I use this example lots of times when I'm working with business groups. So let's just say it's 90 degrees outside. I know we're in the fall, but let's say it's 90 degrees outside and um, you're about to go to hear a speaker and the speaker is in a, a full-length fur coat, be it real fur, fold fur, or winter gear, and it's 90 degrees and high humidity outside. That's out of context. Out of context, if you're going on a long trip to Europe somewhere, some flight, 20 hours, I don't know, and you ride at the airport, no check-in luggage, no carry-on, and you're just kind of nervous. It's out of context. And if you look at like anyone that's tried to attack or bomb the plane, they had nothing with them. It, and their focus was on one, on one thing. So there were a lot of things that were out of context. You know, if all of a sudden that, you know, you uh, start dating someone and you're on the second or third date and they said, hey, you want to go? You want to go just, hey, let's go by the jewelry store and look at wedding rings. Wedding rings, this is the third date. And I don't know if you're going to be the one or not because that first two went to McDonald's. That ain't working. <laughs> so it's out of like, it's like whoa. You know, you're, you know you're dating an anxious person if they're taking you to a jewelry store on the third date. <laughs> the third date. Or a love bomber. Or, and they simply say, oh, you know what? I've got this big home stuff. We, you can move in. We can spend more time together. And they'll say, watch this. We can, what, they'll say words like this. We can spend more time together and you can have your freedom. Think about it. They're not realizing what they're saying. And they're constantly touching and, and they want it. And by the way, and lots of times they want to take pictures quickly of you together. And the ultimate sign that's out of context is they want to venture off and do nude, get nude pictures of you. Oh. A lot flat for the social media world, right? Yeah, like possession like and to get you possession to lock you in. So those are things you gotta watch. All that's out of context. Yeah, I love even I'm thinking about, you know, a sign of disorganized attachment that push polar can be like they're really great at creating like text relationships, like they're excellent on text and you meet them and it could be a very different thing. And I'm thinking about like, what is the context? Well, there is no relationship if you've never met like that is already out of context. Right? Like that the initial text should just be pretty simple, pretty easy, you know. Um, so like what a good cue, again, for watching out for. Um, to make sure you're not getting love bombed. And again, like even creating that space for yourself to have a little bit more of a discerning eye in what would work for me or what wouldn't work for you. One of the things that I would suggest to everyone, try spending, um, so having 15 years in broadcasting, so I'm going to give you a little soundbite. Focus on, rather than broadcasting so much, focus on tuning in. Just start tuning in more. You don't have to be the one to be the life of the party doing all the talking. Just be a great listener. People love that because it's giving them your time. You're talking about value. I think that's such a good, the value isn't necessarily being performative. Value can be in a listener. A value can be in a real connecting moment. Like eye contact, like that's value, right? The guts. Linda, how can we find you? Yes, please follow me on Instagram at Linda Clemens, C-L-E-M-O-N-S, Linda with the I. And I have an ebook, lindaclemensebooks.com. So it gives you some more good, juicy stuff. So please connect with me. My niece says, Auntie, tell them always follow you on Instagram and LinkedIn. Is that right? <laughs> and, and, and we're definitely going to include all of that in the show notes, as yeah. well as your body language for dating and attraction. So I do have a question before we sign off. So for marriage proposals, amazing. I'm curious. For, you know, from a body language expert, how do you experience people's body language? So but when I meet people initially for the very first time and they ask me, what do you do? They'll say, what do you do for a living? I always say consultant. And the reason why, because yeah. if I say I'm a body language expert, oh my gosh, they change. 
See, I want them to be who they are. They change. And then once we get to know each other, build a rapport, because most of persons say consultant, they don't usually ask consult on what, so that's the safe space. So that allows them to be their truthful, authentic self. So I have an acronym that I always look out for. I call it TAP. If they're truthful, authentic, and then it'll show up in the proof. That's what I'm looking for. And so, and, and then next thing you know, that we begin to build this bond and the trust and become friends and and be open on different subjects, you know, and honor each other's gifts, their talents, their talents, their spates, and all of that. So here's what was so funny. One of the guys who I've known forever, and he says, what I really appreciate about you, Linda, that I know that you'll make a good wife. He says, the faithfulness that you had when your mother was ill, you stood by your mom for 15 years, unwavering. He said, as a man, any good man, they look at that as someone being through the good, the bad there, and you did it elegance with grace. He said that's a thing that made someone even more beautiful. Because sometimes guys can be big babies themselves. You know what I mean? Sometimes. And so what I'm thinking wasn't looking at the physical attributes. He was looking at the physical act of me serving my mother. Your, your inner flame. Yeah, my inner flame. Mm-hmm. My inner flame. And uh, one of my other friends, he says, you're sexual chocolate in a cup. Now, whatever that means. It can drink it. It's accessible. You can just drink it up. Chug it. <laughs> you're really thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> Linda, thank you so much. I just loved what you said. And I think it just uh, thinking about how we can incorporate our body language into building that secure attachment and having the ability to be a stronger discerner in really knowing thyself and what works for you, as well as uh, that flexible mind, right? Knowing what we can kind of bend on and understanding it's not all about us, right? Because that insecure attachment can really run the show and say danger at every turn when there's not necessarily. Yeah, exactly. And again, like what you were saying, tuning into our body, embodied sense of self, so that when we're observing somebody else's body language, we can tune into like, oh, what's going on in our own body as we're watching this person, sensing into this person's body language, right? When you're saying leaning in, that feels good. When someone's like leans out, it's like, ooh, we could really feel that distance. So, and it creates awareness of it. Mm-hmm. So the awareness. Mm-hmm. And so, whatever bad habits that we have or challenges that we have, I always say, if you can name whatever your issue is, that means you've claimed it. <laughs> and if you could claim it and you named it, then you could tame it. Exactly. So you know that you could be able to correct those and bring out the other side, the better and more beautiful and more brighter and loving you. That's what the world's waiting for. I Thank love you. It. Thanks for listening to this podcast about body language. And I really hope you learned something. You know, when I, the first communication class that I took in college was about nonverbal communication. And I learned that 80 to 90% of communication is nonverbal. So it's not only what we're displaying outside of ourselves, but it's also what's going in inside of our bodies as well. So if you have any questions, you want to learn more about attachment style, communication, relationships, dating, anything mental health, feel free to DM me at Mary B Therapy on Instagram or visit me on my website, marybtherapy.com.